This morning, as we were, were busy chatting, Emmanuel shared some stuff with me, and he doesn't know what I'm preaching on. So I just wanted him to come and share a little bit of what he was feeling this morning, um, just about uh, waiting, and <laughs> and then we'll, we'll carry on from there. Oh, there we go. No, I was just thinking about, you know, as we're going through the book of Acts, how the disciples gathered and they waited, and just how waiting in our culture is just something that, you know, it's almost like we would sit in a space of worship and we say, okay, God, I've got 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, like something must happen now. But they gathered and they waited. And how do we get this culture of waiting? Because God moves when his timing is right. Um, and how do we trust in his promises and wait, you know, and, and feel comfortable in that? But the beautiful thing is they weren't just waiting by themselves. They were waiting together. They were in unity trusting God and waiting for his timing to come through. So just just in terms of our culture's big emphasis was just um, how does our culture shift? Because we, our culture is completely the opposite of that, of what happened in the book of Acts. Which is something I was thinking about. Sure. I love how God works and how he shares these things. And um, my opening scripture is Acts 1 verse 4, and we, we know we've been wanting to go into the, 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 the passage of Pentecost in Acts 2, and, and three weeks later we're still in Acts 1. But there's something about this scripture that's captured my heart this week, and it's Acts 1 verse 4, and it says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus with the disciples. It says, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And, and Dave, even you mentioned this morning that the disciples only knew in part, so they weren't even aware what they were waiting for. And, and they were waiting without the full revelation. And I think this week that for me has been a, almost a treacherous week. I found it to be a week where I've had to work through many things. And, and with it, I felt it was something of everything seemed to be difficult and nothing was easy. And, and I, I think sometimes we as Christians think oh, everything should just fall into planning and become easy. But it's often in the waiting that God does what he needs to do to prepare us for what he has in store. And, and I know for us, we don't fully know what God's doing but we know he's doing something. We know that there's promises, but we don't know the details of how these promises are going to work. But all we can do is, is wait. Romans 8 verse 24 to 25 says, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And we know that there's incredible promises over this church. I know for us as a family, we've seen God do incredible things just to get us here. In 2015, we were at the Global Equip with, with NCMI and we were sitting there and I remember God placed a word in my heart and I remember sitting in Rhema as we gathered at that stage and all of us were in, in one place and I remember God speaking to me and I had tears running down my eyes as God confirmed we need to plant a church. And, and the, the prophetic picture was sometimes you plant seeds, but they take a while to germinate. And this will only germinate in time to come. And I had no idea when. 
And, and it's funny because the location I felt was New Zealand. And God started working in my heart. In 2018, we were at another equip out at Cornerstone. And a gentleman by the name of Chris Zeely came to me and he said, Nick, I've got a prophetic word for you. And he said, I feel that God's expanding your pastoral canopy and I feel that there's a church plant. And this was three years later and I had kind of laid this word to rest. And in that moment, something of that reminder that seeds take a while to germinate started to work. And we as a family started to explore this. And once again, we were looking, the, the picture in my mind was New Zealand. And we started to put things into place as we waited on it. But it was a tough season. And the grace started to lift in other areas. And we kind of felt, Lord, when will this happen? And, and I remember in lockdown when God changed the, the plan and said, the location is not actually New Zealand, it's KZN. But as a business, we had employed people to take over my position that we wouldn't have done if it wasn't New Zealand because we were planning for the long term. That in the space of August of God giving us the word and moving here in January, there were already things that had been in place over the last five years. But it was a, it was a moment that kind of seemed to take its time. Emmanuel knows the scripture well. And it's something that him and I have spoken about a lot. But Habakkuk 2.2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits an appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And, and I'm not naturally a waiting person. I think I've become a product of instant gratification. I know when I order off take a lot, if I see anything that is not in stock in Joburg, I won't order it. So if it says five to seven days, I'll look for another one. Even if it's slightly more expensive, I'll rather, because even ordering of take-a-lot for me is too long. Because I want it and I want it now. Um, I often joke with my brother and say, um, if, if I wanted patience, I should have been a doctor. And that was his role, because he's become a doctor. And I think the reason patients are called patients is if you're getting kind of you go to a doctor's room, you know, even if your appointment is at this time, you need patience because you're going to wait for, for however long it takes before you, you actually get seen. And, and I'm not a patient individual. And this week, I think just some of the frustrations of things not happening fast enough for me have, have been kind of becoming evident and, and I've started to become uncomfortable. And as I kind of got through towards the end of the week with a lot of pent-up frustration, I felt God take me back to this Acts 1. It says, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. And, and it's amazing that this was the, the passage of Scripture that was placed on Emmanuel's heart this morning, unbeknown to him, that this is what I would be preaching on. And, and the title of this message is Wish. Not W-I-S-H, but W-U-S-H. Now, you've all seen those bracelets, they say push, and it says pray until something happens. And for me this morning, I feel that God's saying wait until something happens. And, and there's something of a patience in this. Last week, Friday, I was driving our kids to school, and being the impatient person that I am, there was a truck in front of me, and he was going a lot slower than I would have liked him to. We were running late. And, and I was driving quite like, aggressively behind the guy. And then I saw a scripture on the back of the truck. And it says, Isaiah 60 verse 22. And it just gave a portion of the scripture. It says, at the right time, 
I, the Lord, will make it happen. And something of this truck, just the scripture, hit my heart. And it was, sure, Lord. We're waiting on things, but often God's time and my time are not aligned. And because we, we only know in part, I can only imagine what must have been going through the minds of the disciples when Jesus is resurrected. The one that they had grown to know and grown to love, they had a revelation of his lordship. He had, he had just been um, resurrected and, and, and they knew that he was who he said he was and now he ascends up into heaven and he's gone. And, and, and in this passage of scripture, they're asking him, like, are you going to establish your kingdom now? You, you died, you rose again, like now's the time for you to establish yourself as king. You've just shown everyone. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or dates set by the Father's authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Just wait. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? They didn't know. They hadn't experienced him. It's only once they experienced him that they understand so they were those people in Romans who, who were hoping for something that they did not see. And they waited for it with patience. How did they wait? They gathered. They prayed. They must have feasted together. I'm sure that they ate. They enjoyed each other's company. There was fellowship. They did some practical things. We saw last week the anointing of Matthias and bringing him in and, and, and how he became part of the twelve. They did some things and they weren't, they weren't lazy in their waiting. They weren't idle in their waiting. But they were patient in their waiting. And I think we as a people need to know that we can be effective and patient simultaneously without having to knock down doors. We can contend for things, but we don't have to break open because we are subject to a time that is greater than our own. So the morning I see this truck... The afternoon I'm driving, I'm having a chat with a friend of mine who's saying, I'm just, there's stuff I'm waiting for, and, and there's things that he's, he's contending for. And, and his favorite scripture is Hebrews 11:6. without faith it is impossible to please God. And I'm on the phone with him, and what happens? A truck pulls in front of me. What's the scripture on the back of this truck? Hebrews 11:6. without faith it is impossible to please God. And again, it hits me in the heart and it penetrates. Now, just there's something about this. At the right time, either Lord will make it happen, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you've got these two things that are working hand in hand to bring about the fulfillment of what God's promised. So I went and I spent a bit of time kind of going through these two passages of Scripture. This Isaiah 60 verse 22 and this Hebrews 11 6. And I want to read Isaiah 60 uh, from verse 21. And I'll read it across two different versions just because I want to share a little bit of, of, of a slightly different nuance in terms of the understanding. But coming from the New Living Translation and into the, the ESV, and there's something about a generational promise that God's speaking of. So in Isaiah 60 verse 21 to 22 it says, All your people, this is the NLT, all your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands. Now we know that as a church we've been contending for a venue and it's not happening as fast as I would like it to. But the reason I shared a little bit of the testimony of how we landed here is we know that God planted us here and opened the door. But he says that they will possess their land forever. 
It says, For I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring glory to myself. So God's wanting to bring glory to himself by what he's doing in Adventure Church. And that's an incredible opportunity and an incredible privilege, but it's not about us, it's for him. It's all about him. It's about us reaching the people so that he may be glorified and they might have rest- restoration in relationship. It goes on to say in verse 22, The smallest family will become a thousand people, and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Now you've got to know that Jesus, in three years of ministry, as we see in Acts 1, they had 120 people that had gathered. So he had built up a group of 120 people in a three-year period. What we will see in Acts 2 when we go through it, that 3,000 were added to their number on Pentecost. They went from 120 to 3,120 in a moment. Because in the right time, he will make it happen. But there needed to be the three-year period of Jesus' ministry to establish, to build relationship, to equip the saints for what they needed to do. And then they waited. And what happened is when they waited and that moment came, there was an outpouring that was supernatural. There was a multiplication that was supernatural. It's easy for the disciples to look disheartened and think, just 120 of us. This is all that is left. Even of the 12, one of them did not make it through. And yet, when the time came, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. It's not done by human hands. It's not done by, by us. Yet we get to partner with God and we get to have faith for what He's doing. The ESV says, Your people shall all be righteous, They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and in its time I will hasten it. There's something of a generational promise that comes from this. The least one shall become a clan, the smallest one a mighty nation. Last week we had little Riley, who's who's under a year old, and he pulled himself up on this, this music stand slash pulpit. And, and I just looked at this little, little guy and I thought, I wonder what his future holds. I wonder what he will be doing in 20 years' time. I wonder what will be established in his life as he, who can't even understand what's going on, gets to experience the presence of God because he gets to come and sit in, in a meeting. I love how in Azusa Street Revival, most of the sustained ministries that were planted out of Azusa Street were from the kids who were playing hide and seek in the presence of the Father. They weren't there ministering. They weren't there being ministered to. A lot of people got caught in the former years of Azusa Street and they they looked back at the former times and said, it used to be an amazing thing. But the little kids who grew up there, the next generation, took things and planted out And that was was sustainable. And here the promise is, there's a generational promise, but in its time, I will hasten it, says the Lord. I will bring it about quickly. Habakkuk, though it linger, wait for it, for it will come without delay. So we've got to wait, and we wait with patience. Hebrews 11.6, and the, the, the full scripture says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. So the foundation of our faith is the belief that God is who he is. Because why would we want to draw near to someone we don't believe in? So the establishing foundation of faith is a revelation that God is who he says he is. And that is the faith that brings him this joy. It pleases him. And, and sometimes we have faith in an outcome. But Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Is not faith in an outcome. It's faith in a God that holds all outcome in his hands. We know that he's a God of the impossible. He can do all things. There's nothing that is beyond him. We know that an encounter can raise the dead. That an encounter can set the addict free. Often hear that addicts are labeled addicts for life. Yet I know many who are leading churches who have been set free and are no longer considered addicts. They are now pastors and leaders and strong business people. And they are no longer defined by that thing. Because God came and encountered them. And in a moment set free. But we don't serve an outcome. We serve a God who holds outcomes in his hands. Our faith is relationship based. And we have faith because we know God. So what happens when we start to wait and it feels like it's taking a long time? Well Proverbs 13.12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I had a friend of mine who felt called to plant a church in New York. And him and his family sold up everything. The timing was now. They, they did the application. They, they, they moved in with, with his mom-in-law. They had sold everything. They were borrowing a vehicle. They were ready to go. And lockdown hit. And their visa was delayed after delayed after delayed. Eventually a process that was meant to take three months took two and a half years. Not only did they move to America eventually, but they got there and joined up with another church and their church plant has been delayed. But yet, they held their faith throughout the process. Craig would walk around and he had a pair of Converse shoes that said, I love New York on the side. And for him, it was a prophetic declaration that he was walking in the promise of God. But they had... They lived in a temporary space, in a waiting space for two and a half years as they contended. And there were moments when he was at risk of his heart getting sick. And he kept going back to the revelation of the Father. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to the hope that we profess. Um, the NIV says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And we've got to go back to the faithfulness of God and that comes from our revelation in him because that's where our faith is founded. As we wait for things to happen, wait until something happens. Not sitting idly, but contending for. Tyron often says that prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. And the disciples prayed when they were waiting. They allowed their weakness to rest on the omnipotence of the Father, knowing that he was all-powerful. That is the foundation of their faith. So I want to share a few things just in terms of the, the um, Greek and, and some of the, the definitions. And then we're going to call the, the kids in and we're going to pray for a couple of people. 
and there's a couple of things that people are contending for, and, and, and they are waiting in a, a kind of an ambiguous season, and we want to pray on their behalf. And it's an opportunity for us to, to lift anything else up at that time as well. But faith in, in the Greek is, this is coming out of um, Hebrews 11.6. The word is pistis, and it says the conviction of the truth of anything. It is belief, and in the New Testament, of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and defined things, generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor, born of faith, and joined with it relating to God. So it's got to do with relationship. It says the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Relating to Christ, it is a strong and welcome convictional belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Love, Jesus is the Messiah, not was the Messiah. Because he is alive and well. It is the belief with the predominant idea of trust, whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith in the same fidelity and faithfulness. And the last one, it is the character of one who can be relied on. So we have faith in the character of one who can be relied on. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. So we don't want our hope to be deferred because we don't want our heart to get sick. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And the next one is patience. Hoop omene is the, the, the Greek. And it says a steadfastness, a consistency, and an endurance. Now, with endurance, if you run any endurance race, if you're a runner, you need to pace yourself to ensure that you get to the end. It doesn't help coming out of the starting blocks and sprinting if it's not 100 meters or 200 meters. Even if 400 meters, the guys run, but it's still paced. But when you start running a marathon, when you're running the comrades, you can't use all your energy immediately. So it's an endurance event. Patience requires endurance. It requires pacing yourself. It requires working towards the end and not just enjoying the beginning. In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose. Each one of us has a deliberate purpose by God. So it says that, that patience is the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. So the temptation of hope deferred is that our heart grows sick, but we know that when God comes through, it's like the tree of life. And our responsibility is to be a people who are patient. And that is not swerved from the deliberate purpose that God has given us. And we remain loyal to the faith, even in the midst of the greatest trials and suffering. So it's a cheerful or hopeful endurance, consistency, enduring, patient, patient, continuance, waiting. So we're going to be a people who 
Wait faithfully for what God's doing. Wait patiently for what God's doing. Let our hope be founded in Him and our revelation of Him. And as we gather, as we pray, as we enjoy meals together, as we maybe do some practical things and, and the fulfillment of them, we wait patiently for God to speak clearly and for His promises to come to fulfillment. Now the difference between us and the disciples is we get to live this out post-Pentecost, which is an incredible privilege that we get to do it in the presence of the Holy Spirit, walking in step with Him as the Bible commands us to do. We are not left isolated thinking, where, where do we go from here? We've just lost our Savior, and now we're waiting for this promise that we don't know what to expect. We have the privilege of our promises being founded in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit already taking place. And we get to have that confidence, which is a different place to be in. 